2: Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.
3: On this vote, the A's are 53, the nays are 47, and this nomination is confirmed. Wow. Just wow. It It is historic. It was beautiful for me personally to see. I just... Three Republicans voted to confirm her. <laughs> right. I think it was a good day all around.
1: I do, too. It's about time. It's an historic day for America, the first African-American female Supreme Court justice. And that that is a big deal. What impressed me, well, a lot of stuff impressed me about Judge Ketanji Brown Jackson, but the stuff that they threw at her during the confirmation hearings, and she was stoic, She was unflappable. Unflappable. Mm -hmm. She persevered. You know, she got through the crap storm, and I don't know how because I, you know, I had it been me, had it been most anybody, I think they would have snapped back. But she she somehow kept her cool during the confirmation hearings, and uh, so happy that uh, she is uh, confirmed and it's official.
3: You know, it's interesting that you say that, that she kept her cool, maybe others would have cracked. I think, in particular, we hold black women to a higher standard, that, you know, that they they have to be calmer, or they have to be uh, more unflappable. I think they... I, I, unfortunately, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a form of racism, really. It's a form of systemic yeah, racism yeah. that we have that if they were, like, let's say she were to get upset the way, um, uh, what's the one who just got confirmed? My chemo brain's kicking in hard today. Oh, uh, um, what's his name? Uh, Kavanaugh. Yeah, Kavanaugh? Judge Kavanaugh, yeah, right. right. You know, he got very angry at, at times and I think had what can I say? Justice Katanji Brown. Justice Ketanji, yes, Brown, can. Uh, yeah. Ketanji Brown Jackson. Um, had she gotten <clears throat> upset like that, people would have gone into stereotypes and labeled her as angry. And and that is a stereotype for black women that we, I, again, I don't know where it came from, but th- that's a stereotype. So she had to be mm-hmm. above reproach. She had to work even harder to remain calm and cool and collected and, and and I'm sure she is. I'm sure she is all of those things. But always knowing in the back of her mind as a black woman that one misstep, one wrong move out of line, people are going to jump all over that. And she's not going to get a pass. She's not going to get the benefit of the doubt. So um, she's just she is a prize. We are lucky to have her. And um, and and well done today, Senate, because this is historic. This is a woman that young black girls, young, young women anywhere, depend no no matter your color can really look up to as someone who is so accomplished, and I I, I feel confident we'll serve her country well.
1: Look, it's still a conservative leaning uh, Supreme Court, um, but regardless of your politics, it it's a big deal, and the Supreme Court could and should reflect. The diversity that is America in the year 2022. Can I can I just read you something Dan Rather wrote that spoke to me? Please, Justice. Please, thank you, thank you, Joy. Justice Jackson personifies the hope that change is possible, that progress can be our path going forward. We celebrate her today as a unique legal mind, and as someone whose service to this nation and, and its best traditions can give us a reason for new flickers. Of optimism, I like that. Flickers of optimism. If she hasn't given up on what America can be, then neither mm. should we. And I thought, yeah, mm. you know, warts Beautiful. it all. Um, and I think she's going to be good for the Supreme Court. I, you know, again, I'm I'm not scared of diversity. I think you get the best results when you have diverse people sitting together, whether it's a business, a community, school board meeting, whatever. Diversity is good. It's healthy. Hey, guess what? It's America in the year 2022. This is who we That's are. That's an
3: interesting quote that there it was a little piece of it that said, ha- have given up on America. Because I tell you, Paul, uh, and you and I have had this discussion over the last two years with the pandemic and the political rhetoric happening over the past six years. Um, yeah, there have been times when I've given up. I thought, oh, this we are going to hell in a half it. We are a mess. We are unsavable. We are, but. Just a mess. So, if, if she still has hope for the future, then I will take my cues from that.
1: We are the eighteen wheeler that is careening down the road, <laughs> yeah. hugging the mountainside, swerving from guardrail to guardrail. We always, sometimes at the last minute, find a way to self-correct. But warts and all, I mean, and that is the American experiment, right? Mm.
3: Mm-hmm. Amen.
1: And That's and true. we're discovering with. Russia invading a sovereign nation with Ukraine, that democracy is precious. What the Founding Fathers had in mind is it, it's an experiment. We're still trying to per- perfect that experiment, still searching for a more perfect union, and we will always be searching for a more perfect union. And hopefully uh, Judge Jackson can be part of that fine-tuning as we go forward.
3: When we get back... We're going to light well this is life this is fun. We're going to check in with Tim Lammers. What is the movie The Bubble all about? I have been tempted to click uh, play now on Netflix so he's going to share if it's worth it. Next.
1: Now joining Paul and Jordana to talk Hollywood film reviews and all things movies from directconversations.com. It's Tim Lammers. Presented by Bradshaw and Bryant Personal Injury Attorneys. Seeking justice for the injured. Find them at minnesotapersonalinjury.com.
3: We're almost at the nest.
0: That sounds like a baby crime for its mom. Now
2: that was a great take.
3: I hope it makes me laugh. I really do. Tim Lammers is back. His movie reviews are brought to us by Bradshaw and Bryant, personal injury attorneys, minnesotapersonalinjury.com. Tim, this one is called The Bubble. Welcome back, my friend.
2: Well, thank you, Jordana, and hello, Paul. And, um, you know, I, yeah, I normally have a theatrical release uh, during the, you know, the Fridays, but we're on Thursday. I was on a mini vacation earlier this week, so I'm bringing you a Netflix movie instead called okay. The Bubble. It takes place within the pandemic. It's not a comedy about the pon- pandemic. That would be wrong, but uh, a movie that's set with a bunch of narcissistic, narcissistic actors Set within a bubble, uh, you know, remember the bubbles they put yeah, like the course, NBA, sure. they played in a bubble and mm-hmm. so they yeah. isolate a bunch of people. So the bubble is actually uh, about uh, this multi, or million dollar, hundred million dollar movie, uh, me, being made in a, in a bubble in England and uh so again the actors are narcissistic the director is too artsy fartsy i mean (laughs) it's about it's about the worst of you could possibly imagine for uh hollywood so yeah it's basically about the making of a bad movie that isn't so bad um i know a lot of critics have been ripping on it but and it's not a great movie, but it is, it is for what it's worth, kind of funny. And they got a lot of big stars in it too. I mean, you got yeah. David Duchovny, you got, um, yeah. uh, Pedro Pascal, of course, from The Mandalorian, uh, mm-hmm. Leslie Mann, uh, of course, she's married to Judd Apatow, who uh, co-wrote mm-hmm. and directed this thing. So it's basically a spoof about a bunch of overpaid, overprivileged movie actors um and and they kind of like that when they call hollywood you know when hollywood calls out hollywood in a way yeah. you know so this is this is funny is it great no but it, it's it's okay it's funny by the way funny. tim is
1: joining us on the john schuster caldwell banker hotline and and tim thank you i look this sounds like pure escapism to me and you know calling hollywood what it is uh, so I'm going to check it out. You've just got back from a trip. Where were you? You were in South Dakota?
2: Yeah, actually, uh, my family and I, we went to Deadwood. I was actually calling you from Deadwood on uh, a Tuesday. Um, oh. But I took a page out of the David Josephson uh, playbook. DJ, you know, he had a recommendation. Mm-hmm. He says, you know, there are deals out there, nice places. You book them off-season, uh, and you probably are going to get a pretty good rate, and we got a place that was, you know, maybe half of what we would have normally paid, a nice resort wow. place to stay in a house slash cabin, you know, in Deadwood it is so incredibly beautiful. Then, of course, you know, we, we took in all the sites in the area, and, you know, went to Mount Rushmore and everything else like that. We've been there before, but, you know, it is such of a magnificent site so spectacular if you've never been to mount rushmore you definitely need to go but there's crazy horse you know we went there as well uh mm-hmm. you know and the, the badlands and everything like that it's it's just such so different than what we get here that's for sure yeah
1: yeah we love the black hills there's a lot to see out there um, uh,
2: absolutely and- so yeah again a big tip of the cap to dj because again it's like that got me thinking a little bit my wife was thinking the same thing it's like hey let's Let's do this. So, you know, a, a, like DJ does, a little quick vacation and oh. kind of recharge your batteries and get back.
3: See, the
1: pre- travel my,
3: preacher, I, DJ, it's working.
1: Yeah, I know. <laughs> look at his head. He's not going to be able to get out the door of the studio here. <laughs> but, uh, no, I DJ does have some really good advice. And so we, uh, we look forward to that segment every Wednesday at uh, 520 here on CCO. It's kind of fun how the
2: segments can interact, huh? How about about that? The movie segment and Dave
1: segment. That's good. Cross-promotion. Hey, talk about Will Smith. Uh, You mentioned that there's a double standard going on here. How so?
2: Well, you know, obviously the big thing that people have been complaining about is, look, if you're going to take away Will Smith's Oscar, there are several other very, very... Uh, bad people that are, you know, you know, have gotten away with, or not gotten away with, but haven't gotten their Oscars taken away, mm-hmm. like a Harvey Weinstein, et etc. et cetera. Well, again, you know, the big question has been, um, what justifies actions in Hollywood? I mean, Will Smith did this during the Oscars after all, and <laughs> it's up to them to do whatever they want. And from what I understand, they had, they finally had their emergency meeting this morning to determine just that. But now there's this actor named Ezra Miller, who seems to be causing, allegedly, a lot of huge problems off the set, so much so that uh, reports are surfacing that his role as The Flash, which is a big movie wow. franchise coming up, he was part of the Justice League, is mm-hmm. to pause that production and decide, where do we go from here with this actor? So the big double standard people are talking about is, boy, everybody's coming down hard on Will Smith because of one instance, whereas this alleged bad behavior has been going on and on and on and on. Now, within this article that I'm reading, they're saying, yeah, well, he's a mid-level actor and that's why nobody pays attention and that's why there are no big calls for cancellation as opposed to this other thing happening on the world's biggest stage during Oscar night. So whether it's a double standard or not, I don't know, but... It's certainly it it seems to be coming to the forefront that, you know, actors are going to have to start paying for whatever bad behavior they're, you know, anything that they're doing off screen. You know, it it Mm -hmm. seems to be coming back to uh, bite a lot of actors now.
0: But
3: actors often have bad behavior. I mean, my goodness, who hasn't had a fall from grace? But, who hasn't gotten into a bar fight? Or I'm not going to say rehab is, is a fall from grace because that's a, a real problem. But my goodness, they, you know, even uh, Tiger Woods, who's getting all this praise now for coming to the Masters after his alleged sex addiction thing. I mean, my God, we won't have anybody in Hollywood if, if they can't get in trouble anymore.
2: Yeah. Well, you know, I guess one thing I thought about is, you know, you're talking about Hollywood whole Holding these actors to double standards. I don't know if it's so much Hollywood as it is social media, because all of these mm. cancel deals going on with Will Smith, it's not Hollywood actors necessarily calling him out. Yes, there are some, but it's Twitter users and the hashtags and growing to become viral, you know, all that sort of stuff. So I don't know. It's it's like those worlds colliding now, um, yeah, yeah. you know, mm. where... You can't really, well, look, how many times have we seen it where somebody would say something, you know, supposedly benign, but all of a sudden, because one person takes offense to it, you know, if it catches on, it can really start a revolution in a sort of way and get somebody canceled, you know, so it's just a weird thing going on right now. But that one caught my eye because, again, this Ezra Miller thing's been going on. I've I've known of it for a year and a half or so now where viral videos of him. Supposedly choking people, etc. And now it's getting to the point where people say, you know, or the studio is saying, we got to do something about this guy.
1: Yeah. Tim, I, it just dawned on me as you were talking. There's no due process on Twitter. I mean, it's, <laughs> you know, sort of like Caesar with the thumb up or the thumb down. And, you know, cancel culture is real between that, uh, the Me Too movement, you know, which I, I obviously. You know, has, has a very authentic, uh, origination in terms of trying to look out for people that have been victimized. So it started yeah. there, but now, you know, we cancel people at the drop of a hat. And it seems like with social media now and everybody walking around with a, with a phone and a camera, you can't get away with as much as you could even 10, 20, 25 years ago. That you're always on, you're
3: always right. on, and always. And that's accountable. okay for the Harvey Weinstein's of the world. That's yeah. okay. If yeah, yeah. somebody had an yeah. audio rolling or a camera rolling, maybe that would have yes. stopped sooner.
2: Well, I think the Will Smith deal, obviously, it was an easy one because it wasn't a camera phone. It was a, a camera yeah. on the Sorry. biggest movie yeah. event of the year. It's hard so to know miss. Yeah. what he did. But, yeah, I mean, now, obviously, it goes to show you that, you know, somebody could be doing karaoke in a bar like like Ezra Miller uh, was, apparently. And then, I don't know if this incident was caught on camera, but there you know, alleged allegations i should say of him just wigging out on people and the sort of behavior that you're you're star of a big multi-million dollar franchise you don't want him doing that sort of thing so i think that's where the studio is worried about here so i don't know i just hope hollywood learns you just be on your best behavior be a good person it's real (laughs) simple
1: (laughs) Jim lammer's great words of advice don't don't buy your own promotion don't believe that you are in fact a superhero because it will catch up with you <laughs> tim will catch you on tuesday thank you my friend That's all right,
3: right. Hey. hey when we get back something a yes. little more serious we're going to talk about kids and mental health you know post we're not really post pandemic we're sort of at you know hopefully the tail end of this pandemic but it has affected our teens in extraordinary ways. Here's some statistics, and we'll have a guest on to talk about how to help teens through this next.
1: Paul and Jordana and DJ and you, thanks for joining us on Thursday. How's your health? No, let me back up. How's your mental health? The last two years have been a train wreck, I think, for everybody, but some much more so than others. And teenagers in our midst are not doing okay. A new CDC survey is shedding light on how the pandemic has affected high school students mentally. Nearly a third of high school students surveyed said they experienced poor mental health. About 44% reported feeling sad or hopeless, 44% just in the last year. A little more than half say they've experienced emotional abuse by a parent. This study followed. Almost 8,000 high school students from 128 schools across the nation. And again, CDC, Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, releasing this report. Trying to get the word out to parents, loved ones, friends. We need to do more to help our teenagers. As students transition into college, Bethel University in Arden Hills is making mental health a priority. And joining us right now on the John Schuster Caldwell Banker Hotline is Miranda Power. She is VP of Student Experience at Bethel. Miranda, welcome to the show. Hey,
0: thanks so much for having me.
1: Is this worse than you can recall? I mean, is this really a whole new level of concern when it comes to teens and mental health and anything you've witnessed before in your career?
0: Well, student mental health has really been at the forefront these last several years. And I think the pandemic has sort of exacerbated that and really brought it to the forefront. As you know, you said this, it's been a tough two years for everyone. There's been so much unpredictability. Will I be in person? Will I be remote for school? Just different ways of learning and engaging in family systems, I think has brought it to a different level than I've seen it. Um, but, but really, um, different things are, are an issue than, than once were, right?
1: Mm-hmm. How so?
0: Yeah. Um, well, I would just say, um, you know, that unpredictability, people are feeling a different sense of grief, activities that were once normal are no longer, and they're trying to figure out, how do I join back into life as I once knew it, right? Got mm-hmm. it.
1: Okay. Uh,
0: you know what I'm finding? That a lot of the
3: kids are using masks as sort of a security blanket. Like even mm. though they have been, and I'm not, I'm not judging this in any way, shape, or form. I wear my mask everywhere, but I, I, um, I, I find that a lot of them don't want to let them go because it was the only thing that gave them a sense of control. And even though the the high schools maybe or the the middle schools have said you don't have to wear it anymore, a lot of kids are still doing that. Is that do you think? Do you look at that as like a, a positive thing, or do you think they should? Or is it more on the negative that they are um, too anxious?
0: Yeah, I do think there is an increase in anxiety. And for some around health issues, the the mask certainly has become a security blanket. I also would say we're seeing that invitation. It's no longer just enough to have an event on campus or to do something right, that we really need to invite students. We want you to come to this. They've gotten Mm. so accustomed to connecting virtually that they've forgotten what it means to be in community and in person. And I think that's right. changed the way that they interact. And so it's, it's critical. I think there's so much that happens in those moments when we're going to and from an event or we walk together to do something, right? Mm-hmm. And we sort of need to learn how to be in community again. It's one of the most fundamental skills and one of the ways that I think we're designed as humans. Right
1: yeah, yeah. No, no question about that. We, we were engineered to interact face-to-face and you know we've Be made hacked. the best of it with zoom mm-hmm. but uh, it's still suboptimal and I'm, I'm just curious in terms of stigma the way you're doing this at bethel how is it better how is it different what have you learned that you can share with listeners that may help them regardless of what school they're going to right now or where their kids go to school
0: yeah we're putting a, a focus on mental health in a variety of ways so part of this includes some training for our staff, and and specifically just recently our athletic staff will be getting trained in mental health first aid. So so trying to take that training and expand it, not just for people who you would traditionally say, oh, the counseling center or this office or that office, but to include faculty and others. So we, we also focus on a collaborative circle of care between residence life, academics, the counseling center, um, to identify when are students struggling early and how Who's the best person to follow up? How can they get that care, right? Mm -hmm. And then also at Bethel, we really focus on holistic student care, that we're um, emotional, social, spiritual beings. And as such, um, we need to be thinking about our mental health and our physical health and all the things holistically. So our students take a first-year course called Well-Being. Um, And then this fall, we put together a chapel series on neurobiology and mental health. We did a mental health awareness week in the spring to really take that stigma away and just say, here's some fun ways to be in conversation um, about important topics and some resources that we have available on campus to get that kind of out in the open where people can engage with it and with each other.
3: I love Sounds that they have good. to take a class yeah. uh, on well-being and maybe yeah. some self-care in there. That's so important, and we should be teaching that. Uh, Miranda, and we're speaking with Miranda Powers, the vice president of the Students' Experience at Bethel University. Uh, Miranda, is this reversible? You know, th- these kids have been living two years in this pandemic, anxiety, isolation. Do you <laughs> I know we always hear kids are resilient, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, there, there's a limit to resilience, too. But do <laughs> yeah. you do
0: you feel the damage done by the pandemic is reversible? I think it's reversible. I think it's just going to have to take some intentionality and time. And we have to understand that. Our students, we all, we've experienced some grief, and so we need to continue to be forward-thinking and to talk about things like hope and to paint a picture of what the future looks like for students to get them excited about things in life, um, ways that they can contribute in the world.
1: Miranda, I deal with this stigma all the time with mental health. Uh, I'm involved with Save Suicide Awareness, Mm -hmm. Voices of Education, talking about depression. And, you know, I've been doing this for 25 years, and there's still a stigma. I, I think it's less than it was 10, 20 years ago. But when it comes to young people in mental health, are they in a better headspace talking about this than maybe their parents or their grandparents? And what advice do you have for their parents and grandparents in terms of helping uh, these teenagers get the help they need?
0: I think that our students are in a different place in terms of stigma and being able to talk to one another, but I would say it's also not something that they're going to share with just anyone, right? So I think our, our students, we encourage them to be in community, to develop some close friendships, to push into those routines and do things like eat meals, sleep, do all of those things, right? Those are important things for them to be engaged in. But as parents and caregivers are walking alongside them, I think it's important to simply ask questions, to find spaces to really check in and say, how are you doing? Um, what what did today include for you? What were some of your highs and lows? and And by creating that space, I think students do open up. And then I also suggest showing care with action. And if it's not the parent-child relationship that can happen, there's so much research about is there one other adult in their life who might be able to have these conversations. So including others can be important. Mm-hmm. But showing those care with action, what what student, what college student wouldn't love to have some of their favorite snacks or a card to let them know that you're thinking about them, just ways that you can be supportive and encouraging. I think we sometimes downplay those. Um, a little too much, and then I would say there's so many great professional resources. Uh, counseling's really changed in the last two years with telehealth being so accessible. So it's important that if students need those resources, that they have um, parents can turn to those professional resources and get them some different a different level of help when they're struggling. Yeah. Miranda Powers, Vice President of the Students' Experience at Bethel. I'm so
3: pleased to know this is all happening at, at Bethel, Miranda. So uh, well done, and thank you for keeping us surprised.
1: Yeah, thanks, yeah. Miranda.
3: Thanks so much for having me.
1: You bet. Yeah, Keep appreciate it. it.
3: Yeah. Yeah, I, I I agree with her about the stigma, Paul. I think these young kids, you know, they talk a lot about mental health, even on social media. They share a lot. Um, they're they're you know like having a therapist or seeing seeking out help or even being on medication is not is very commonplace. It's a testament to them being more open and vulnerable and less judgy than us and generations prior to us. So, it, it hopefully they'll be healthier.
1: That's the word of the hour: judgy. Judgy. Be less judgy. Yeah.
3: <laughs> judgy. All of us can learn from that. No. Don't hey, too judgy.
1: no, right. I'm with you, and thank goodness. Um, when we come back, a couple of uh, updates mm-hmm. on Ukraine that caught our eye. When we come back on CCO, well, yeah, well, this is yeah. good music, George. This, it, of course, it's from my file. <laughs> um, quick update on Ukraine. Obviously, every show uh, we're going to do a couple of segments, and and stick around because we have an amazing interview coming up uh, later on in the show a politician who put his political career on hold to go to Ukraine and to help. And so What time is that DJ? I should know this. Is it 5:20? 5:20, uh, correct. 5:20.
3: Okay. Yeah, Mark Linquist. We 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 checked in with him yep. before he left and then he's over there right now on the border. Uh so can't wait to hear what he what he's up to.
1: Yeah. Uh, Congress today voted to strip Russia of its preferential trade status with the U.S. and ban the import of Russian energy into the U.S., which is largely symbolic since we don't really use much Russian oil or coal anymore. Uh, Troubling headline, Jordana, Russia is using mobile crematoriums to try to cover up war-related deaths. It's unclear exactly what's going on other than perhaps... Trying to avoid, you know, body bags, Russian body bags coming back and creating even more unrest and protests in Russia. You know, all Oh, those so per- they're
3: using the crematoriums for their own soldiers?
1: Yes. That, that's, that's oh. my understanding. It's not entirely clear, but that is what most people think. Uh, to try to avoid- But how, you know, how, how do you keep that a secret? Okay? Your son doesn't yeah. come back months, right. years after the... I mean, at some point, it becomes pretty obvious that something went wrong in Ukraine.
3: And again, how tragic that their families wouldn't even have a body to bury, you know, or to cremate whatever their choice is, but that... a More tragedy, you know, more bad choices.
1: Your Russian forces that tried to take Kiev, the capital of Ukraine, were so confident they would win, they brought along... Outfits to hold a parade in the capital, according to a Ukrainian military official. They wound up dumping their parade attire when they were forced to retreat. They found the parade uniforms. That's how confident they were that they would overtake Kiev and people would be greeting them with smiles and kisses and cookies and flowers. Didn't work out that way. We'll be right back on CCO.